Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine and Women, the podcast. I'm your host, Sydney May. Here's to conversations with women for everyone. Sydney. Welcome back to another episode of Wine and Women. Um, Before I get started with everything, I just want to say thank you so much to the initial love and support that just, you know, even the trailer um, got in the first episode. That was really, really cool to see. And to see people be involved um, already is so heartwarming. So, Thank you so much for tuning into the first episode. Like I said, I know it was, you know, just an intro, like introductory style episode. So it wasn't probably the most entertaining thing you've ever heard. (laughs) But um, yeah, thank you for listening. It means the world and I'm ready to get into the meat. So (laughs) as you can see by the title of this episode, it's going to be interesting uh, <laughs> uh, pretty interesting, I hope, anyway. But before I get into everything, of course, I have to share what I am sipping on for the evening. Tonight, I am having a glass of Cote de Rhone, um, 2019 French red wine, very light, um, beautiful, like, floral essence, and aromas. I it's actually really cheap. I got it from Trader Joe's for like seven or eight bucks. So definitely worth trying. I mean, it's only seven bucks. So if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I would highly recommend it. I think that if you did try last week's wine, the um, Fabulist, I think you would like this one too. It's it's lighter than that one, but in a again on the sweeter side because I like a a sweeter red, but. Yes, I will post a photo on the Instagram page like I did the last bottle so you guys can have photo reference just in case you want to try it out for yourself. So yeah, that is what I'm sipping on for tonight. And lastly, before we get into the meat of everything, I would like to insert a bit of a disclaimer or trigger warning. There's going to be some talk of some more offensive things, um, some personal stories that are being shared that... You know, it's, they're unfortunate. It's nothing too um, crazy, but, you know, just so you're aware, I just feel the need to put in a disclaimer um, to be safe. So, yeah. At the risk of sounding very uh, no shit, duh, we've been new, 2020 has been a year. Like, duh. So much has occurred for just one year big conversations happening. One of the hottest topics being racism. In my opinion, the BLM movement of 2020 has been the loudest that I've ever seen. It really inspired me to use my voice and the little platform that I have around me to include my community and encourage my community to get involved in the movement and welcome anyone who would deem themselves an ally. Usually I'm not that vocal on things that are a part of a huge political conversation. But like I said, this was the loudest I've ever seen it. And 
I felt like I just couldn't sit there in silence anymore. And I felt like I had a part to play, whatever it was, whether it helped one person or a hundred people that decided to keep up with me and what I was posting and the things that I had to say on the matter. But with that being said, as a result of, you know, all the hype that surrounded the BLM movement of this year, we've seen the overall conversation of racism branch out into many subtopics, one of those being um, colorism. You know, we were all looking for answers, even us in the black community. Like, why? Why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? What else can we do? And then followed that rage. And with the rage that came with this, naturally, it's easy to fall into the mindset of trying to point the finger and blame. Again, just searching for that why. Like, why is this shit still happening? Some of you listening may be surprised by me saying this, but there were Black people placing a huge chunk of that blame at the Black community itself. Like, Black people blaming Black people. Yeah, and I know that sounds nuts because it was nuts for me to even read those conversations and those comments and to hear that side of the argument. It blew my mind. And the word colorism was being thrown left and right in these arguments or discussions, whatever you want to call them. And that's what I would like to talk about today. So as I was trying to write out this episode, I had to really sit with myself and think for a second. And, you know, I had to ask myself, have you ever actually experienced racism directly? And, you know, I'm I'm digging deep into my memories and all of that shit. And I, I, I know I've had moments where I experienced someone discriminating against me because of the way I looked and my skin tone and saying, certain things because I was black or asking me if I was even black and you know stuff like that but at you know but at the same time I feel like the things that I experienced when I was younger I I had a hard time even um putting the label racist on it because for some reason I felt like racism wasn't exactly real or I wasn't black enough to experience it and I feel like I was kind of trained in a sense or programmed to think that that couldn't happen to me or that it was just kind of a absurd or overdramatic way to respond to something that in my mind I was like you know I, that's kind of racist but I convinced myself that I was just being overdramatic. And so it's really hard for me to even think of those experiences that I probably, that probably very much were racist and looking back on it now as an adult, most likely were, but to even wrap my head around the fact that it was racist because it was so hard for me as a young child to even take the definition of racism and attach it to something that I personally experienced, if that makes any sense. Let me take you back for a sec. I remember I was in fourth or fifth grade in Olathe, Kansas. I said to a classmate of mine, that's kind of racist. 
And, you know, I can't for the life of me remember what prompted me to say that. I can only remember my response and her response to mine. I don't think I'll ever forget it, to be honest. She was like, well, you're not really black, so it can't be racist. <laughs> okay. Um, looking back on this conversation as an adult, a couple things. One, this girl must have thought racism was only aimed at a specific shade of black. Two, what in the fuck? Okay, you're not really black. Like, what is that? Is that supposed to be a justification or like, what am I missing? If I could sum up my adolescent social life experiences into just a few sentences, it'd be kids asking me what the hell I was, meaning my race, comparing the way my mother looks to how I look and identity crisis and everything that entails. I know that sounds dramatic, but like for real. But that one part of the conversation, you're not really black, has stuck with me since. Like, I don't really know um, what she said before my initial response, but whatever it was, I clearly thought she was talking out the side of her neck. Out of the several unfortunate run-ins I've had with racism or colorism, that one stands out the most for some reason. Safe to say, my experiences mainly lie with colorism. I like to think of colorism as the toxic ex-lover of racism. For those of you who are not familiar with colorism, I, I didn't mention it earlier, so I'm going to mention it now, like the proper definition. Colorism is, you know, it's prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a darker skin tone, usually among people of the same race. So it's basically um, showing racism towards your own race, like simply put, just to clear that up. So for the listeners who aren't exactly familiar with the word colorism so they can know the difference so we can further more understand the experiences that are to be shared later in the episode um to be honest the idea of colorism was kind of planted in me at a very young age unfortunately it has played a significant role throughout my family's history growing up I was This sounds so fucked up, but growing up, I was led to believe that women of a darker complexion didn't like nor approve of light-skinned or or mixed women. Um, And before I continue um, with that, I would like to add, I'm not going to sit here and act like light-skinned people of color are the victim and like we've had it harder because I don't believe that and it's not a fair statement to make. Lighter-toned people of color have played a huge part in colorism as well especially when it comes to the whole uh like good hair debacle like that's we'll talk about that later um but yeah I thought I'd say that in hopes that I'm not coming off a certain way so moving on I would say I first noticed this idea within my grandma's generation first and as I got older and you know we put a word to it and we knew what it meant I definitely saw how it trickled down into my mother's generation and eventually reaching mine, which you just heard a little bit about. So I think we should move on to hearing about the experiences my mom and grandma faced. But instead of hearing their stories come from me, I owe it not only to them, but to you guys as the listener to hear it directly from the source. So 
I gave them both a call uh, separately just to chat, ask a few questions, and hear their thoughts and opinions on the matter. And this is what they had to say. Hello. <laughs> Mother. Okay. Um, I Welcome to the show. I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself so you can go ahead and start doing that. Okay. I am Shauna, <laughs> a.k.a. Mama Bear. Um, I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas. I am a multi-race woman that I identify as a black woman. My father is German and black, and my mother is multiracial as well. So she's French, Indian, Irish, and black. So when people see me, they don't know what I am. Mm-hmm. But I, like I said, I identify as a black woman. The quarter drop rule does apply so wait the what so applies the quarter drop rule quarter, quarter drop, drop blood, rule you're black oh so yeah i do i identify as a black woman i've grown up in the black culture as well as white culture as well i've attended private schools and i've attended public schools so mm. i got a little bit of both both sides yeah so i'm almost a half a century old <laughs> half a century no not gonna say age um <laughs> what is your initial thought on colorism and you know like where do you think it comes from well where it comes from is back in it, it, I mean, it stemmed at least 400 years ago when you had your slavery and then the Puritan, you know, environment and everything like that. And the slave owners, what they would do is, as I've been called this before, I was the one that was in the house, whereas a darker complexed woman was the one who was in the field. So the slave mm-hmm. owners would basically rape their female black slaves their children with them they would build huts or houses or whatever you want to call them like back in the in the back of their homes or somewhere on their land so that they could sneak out if they were married because majority of slave owners were married of course to white women mm-hmm. and so they would build these little houses for um to basically sneak out of the house for their pleasure and they would bear children with their slaves and those children would also become slaves as well. And so when mixing the races, of course, there's going to be different complexions. So the lighter complected slaves would be in the house and the darker complected slaves would be in the fields. Um, Not saying Mm -hmm. that it was 100% like that, but majority of the time that's how it happened. Right. So I've been called, as far as my skin complexion, I was in the house, which is pretty foul. But um, right. <laughs> um. But I feel. Wow, that, I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. I feel that colorism comes from ignorance. I, I think that's just ignorance. Yeah. Not being educated. Oh, for sure. Not being educated on a lot of things. I mean. 
and it's and it's taught as well exactly so. yeah colorism and racism alike i for sure stems from ignorance and um racism more so hatred and mm-hmm. but i've basically only seen it within the black community well yeah I, have, I haven't seen it with anyone else but well yeah and... because that's our experience but um it happens in every race except you know the white race but um but yeah our experience only lies with you know our family and the black community and what we grew up with but no yeah it is everywhere so when when did you first experience colorism like directly um i would say in middle school I would say in middle school, um, there was an individual who, she was my bully. We're, I mean, we're past that now because we're adults with children and we're, we're friends now. But back then, of course, she was my bully, my middle middle school bully. And she didn't like the fact that her a friend of hers liked me instead of her because of my skin color. She was darker complected. And that, that's that's the first time I've experienced colorism. But as far as racism, I would say elementary school. Mm. I would say around the second grade, um, I went to a private school and the little girl called me a Hershey bar, which I'm not even that color. I'm more so I'm fair skin, so I'm almost her color. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but I guess, you know, like I said, it, it, it when you have a lighter complexion, then you kind of get it from both ways. You can get it from white people, you can get it from black people, right. you can get it from, from both ways, so. Because you're never enough for, like, each side, for both sides. It's, it, I think it really causes some identity issues within uh, biracial or multiracial children. More and more people who are, um, their appearance is more racially ambiguous. It's more common these days. And so I, you know, a lot of people aren't just like, um, what are you or whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's still some of that, but. I've been asked that question a lot. Yeah, what are you? same. Are you mixed? Well, I hate, and, and the, the term mixed can have a negative connotation because mix is like a mutt. I mean, even like mulatto is a, a negative connotation. And so mm. I would prefer if somebody didn't ask me, are you mixed? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, because in some, you know, people used to say mutt. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while, but they yeah, would refer to mixed people is. as mutts mix, and it's just mutt is mixed with all kinds of different breeds of a dog so yeah. I'm, I'm not mixed because i'm not a dog <laughs> yeah it's yeah i <laughs> but i prefer if someone would ask me um you know maybe are you multiracial are you i mean down here in florida i get are you puerto rican are you some type of oh, latina right. or something like that but um because down here, it, it really does depend on where you are. Because I'm in the South, 
Like, yeah. I'm in the deep south. So. <laughs> right. So, it's a lot of dirty looks. I mean, down here, it's it's a lot of colorism. Yeah. I mean, your brother experienced it. Yeah. And Kate, Cameron does appear to be, in my opinion, very racially ambiguous. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I remember you saying that when we were in Florida um, about how you and Kevin get looks, which I never would have thought of for down there, for it being interracial, but you're both black. And like, uh-huh. you, I mean, it it doesn't make any sense to me. Would you say that you have benefited from colorism? Um, I don't, I don't want to say benefit because that kind of puts like, uh, I'm maybe better than someone else when I'm Right. It, you know, I'm actually, I'm glad that you said that because someone asked me that and that was my initial response. I was like, I don't know if it's something to benefit from. Yeah. And so that's why I wanted to ask you to get your thoughts on that because I was like, it's, um, I think the question was, have you ever been approached in a manner that came off as positive, but it was a form of colorism? But okay, so like me being in the modeling industry, it's like, oh, I love your skin tone. You have the job or something like that. Well, I've for example, jobs because of my skin tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have. Hmm. Yep, I have. And um, then, too, with the texture of my hair, which... Right. Uh, which is so <laughs> different from mine. <laughs> <laughs> but the texture of my hair, with it being fine, it's like, I have one individual who, she's the only person that can get away with this, that calls me white girl. <laughs> Jeez. Like, oh my god. That's so like, where rude. Where do these names come from? Glowworm. Oh don't glow in the dark. I, I've never. <laughs> I've heard uh, light bright just because like family members would refer to us as a whole. Like the lighter skinned people in our family as light brights. Mm-hmm. Um, but glowworm. That's so like, rude. Oh glow, my god. Glowworm was like a toy back in. Mm, late 70s maybe early 80s yeah and it was this little worm that lit up and it glowed in the dark (laughs) (laughs) jeez are we that bright that's so oh my goodness gracious but light bright was a toy too (laughs) but yeah i just and you know i've never took anything personal especially as an adult well i take that back the one time I did take it personal was when I was in elementary school because I didn't know how to react to it. And right. I kind of reacted in a way I didn't probably shouldn't have. Oh, that's... <laughs> Go ahead and tell our listeners well, what you probably... did. So we were on a recess. We were at recess because that's what we did in elementary school. And she called me a Hershey bar and I just punched her in the face. <laughs> you know? Are you serious? Like, I'm in the second grade and I'm already violent. Like, don't call me that. But no, that's the only time I've actually 
<laughs> that is not us condoning actually... being offended Ugh, yeah. by punching people then in I, the face. Then I grow up and have kids and teach you guys, no, violence is not the answer, but I was violent in the second grade. Yeah, but I've never anyway. punched anyone in the face, so <laughs> I don't think any of us have been in a fight. Um, I don't think so. That's another conversation for another time. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about when we were, because there was a time where we did see um, our family way more often, obviously, than we do now. And, you know, the family reunions or just like the big dinners and, you know, Fourth of July going to people's houses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Did you? Well, I, I only noticed it because of the comments from some of our cousins. Um, like, did you ever notice a divide? Mm-hmm. I think actually, I think actually the division in the family came before you were born when my grandmother passed away because we always were doing, the, the family was more close before mm-hmm. she passed away. It's like, it's like she was big mama, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, after you guys were born, you know, I mean, certain people went to certain houses and the, the family did segregate like it's like they were segregated from each other or something like you had these certain cliques of the in the family and I'm, I'm i wasn't part of the clique i'm not a cliquish person anyway mm-hmm. so i would always go to certain people's gatherings in the family and it's just always been like that did you ever feel kind of shut out in the family Mm, no, I don't think I was shut out. I just think that different levels of thinking and different levels of intellect or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that's the reason I kind of I kind of separated myself. And then with certain people, there were blow-ups to where I don't want to talk to you anymore because I'm a, I've always been protective of my immediate family. Right. Which I understand everybody else is too, but if there was a threat towards my family and I felt that you were trying to cause harm, then I fed you with the long handle spoon and I just didn't fool with you anymore. Right. So I, I'm the type of person that will take myself out of a situation and let people be. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like there was um, a sense of competition between you and family members, but, you know, based off the way you look or... You know, like yeah, going back that, to the whole colorism that, thing, and like, has that ever think, caused any ar- arguments? Because I know we were talking about this before, and one of our cousins would, you know, just, you know, comment on our skin tone, and it's it almost seemed like favoritism. But I don't know if I, I don't even know if I'm comfortable saying that because I was so young and just, you know, didn't understand. But has that ever caused a divide or some sense of competition? Um, well, I don't want to say it was, if it was due to skin color, I'm not sure, but I can, I can probably say it could be because of physical characteristics other than, or including skin complexion. Mm -hmm. I'll say it like that. Um, but physical characteristics, including skin complexion, but as far as competition, that wasn't brought to my attention. Mm-hmm. until it was from somebody from the outside looking in 
but me experiencing right. it, I didn't see any competition or this other person trying to end competition. Mm-hmm. But it was brought to my attention from someone else, and I'm like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> yeah. After all, mm-hmm. the, after all these years, are you serious? There's no reason to be in competition. We are blood. But it's like that sometimes in families. Yeah, I feel like with colorism, I mean, I think it starts from the inside and the outside, but I have to say that I do think that a lot of it does come from outside forces because of, you know, like societal beauty standards, for example. I remember in high school, for some reason, all of a sudden, mixed girls just were a trend. Like, it was like a fad. It was the strangest thing. And there is this sudden obsession with mixed girls but mixed girls who looked a certain way and Mm -hmm. I remember it's like if okay when I went to when I was in school in Olathe you know I was the black girl because Mm -hmm. I was in a predominantly white school and then before that at JFK I was a white girl because it was predominantly black and Mm -hmm. then I remember thinking when we moved to Lincoln that I've never seen so many like biracial or multiracial children before. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was interesting to see so many other people that I was like, oh, well, okay, I can like belong here. And mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I, understand. I, I was like, I couldn't even like catch a break. But I remember in high school when not even being it's like I wasn't black enough at one point I wasn't white enough at one point and then in high school when this whole like mixed girl craze went about it was a specific like mixture (laughs) of mixed Uh girl that I did not fit because to whoever I'm not sure what that would be though I mean (laughs) no well yeah I didn't either I was like okay we come in all kinds of different shades and features and hair textures basically it was like a like that just that perfect tan like caramel shade more of a 3b curl pattern like looser curls like silkier so that where if you straightened Mm -hmm. it it looked like your hair could be naturally straight um you were black but you had european facial features but you had the body of a stereotypical black woman so you were curvy um with european features basically like like how they have like I guess that's back in style so because that's what a lot of uh, these women are going to get surgery for BB- BDLs and <laughs> yeah. micro 360 and oh my gosh pump your lips and, and all that so basically that's what that's what they look like now yeah and so I'm <laughs> it, it was just a mess because I, I couldn't I couldn't win anywhere because I was tall and lanky and skinny. I don't have European features and I have kinky hair. So it was like, okay, well, like what now? But any hoosies, I wanted to bring up a story to you. I'll bleep out her name, but I was talking to you about and how I was confused on whether she liked me or whether she hated me because she would act like we were friends and we would I thought we were best friends but then she would just like hate me some days Uh and I remember going to you and grandma about that and this this response whether you guys meant I I don't know how you guys meant it but the way I took it kind of 
I carried it with me for a while. Well, it, it always sticks with me, you know, when you learn something when you're younger. It's just kind of a part of you, whether you acknowledge it or not. But I remember grandma saying, it's like, oh, it's probably, she's probably jealous or it's probably because you're light skin. Mm-hmm. And so that led me to believe that women or girls of a darker skin tone wouldn't like me because I was lighter than them. And so it kind of created this preconceived notion towards black women um, that look that of a certain, you know, skin tone. It definitely affected my initial opinion before I would even get to like know someone or mm-hmm. it became a little triggering because then I, I think it, forced me to notice how mean some girls were and they just so happened to be of a darker complexion mm-hmm. if you notice that when you have those types of experiences as a child or growing up through your elementary and secondary years of school mm-hmm. that as an adult what type of friends do you end up with as an adult or, yeah. or, or what type of friends did you kind of gravitate towards even in your secondary years of school your high school years of school so it's like when I was in school I went to predominantly black high school but a lot of my friends were of a lighter complexion because of the the experiences that I've had with a darker complexed female yeah or whatever but I've had darker complexed friends that were the best in the world, you know? Right, right, yeah. Because that was leading me to my question, if you, was like, would you say that you have some kind of premature assumption or preconceived prejudice towards darker skin um, people? No, I don't, because... For one, I am a little older now, so... I, I mean, because I, I do think that I did at one point, but I know I've grown out of it. Yeah, two of my longest-term friendships, they're both darker than me. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they have shown me some things that, well, that I have gotten from the outside, from someone from the outside looking in, and when that was brought to my attention, they have done some things to me that, well, I wouldn't do to someone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or try to belittle in whatever way because of physical characteristics, I, I wouldn't do that. But I have even, I mean, even as an adult, like I said, like I have a girl who I work with who calls me pink. Okay, that's got a negative connotation. Why are you calling me pink? Because I'm not pink. That's not right. that's not what color I am. So I just kind of stay to myself. I mean, but at this point, I just kind of take people for who they are. Yeah, not, it doesn't have anything to do with their complexion or anything like that. Right, and that's the way it should be. Anybody. Yeah, that's the way it should be. I just, I just thought it would be interesting to see how the experiences have changed from grandma down to you down to me. And it really hasn't changed. It, yeah, it's not that it has changed. It's just nowadays we have more ways to bring attention to it mm-hmm. and because because no it you know it hasn't changed like racism is not new colorism is not new the term colorism may be new 
um, cause someone found a word for it. Um, but no, it's, it's not new at all, but it is, uh-huh. it is new to conversation, I think. And there's still so much that people want to learn or have to learn. And there's still so many questions around it. I, I still get questions, um, in my Instagram, just from you know being vocal during the height of the BLM movement you know some people they they just have genuine questions it's like okay well is it racist to do this or does this come off offensive and blah 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 blah. which is fine but asking yeah exactly I think that asking because you have some people who just don't want to be educated about it at all yeah like they don't care continue to be ignorant Mm-hmm. I mean, you can look at ignorance in all types of ways. You can look at it as uneducated. You can look at it as immature. You can look at it as, uh, I don't know, there's many ways that uh, that's a big umbrella. That word is a big umbrella. And there's a lot of um, factors that can go into being ignorant. But right. um, people who want to educate themselves on colorism and racism and those types of topics are... I commend because we have so many who don't care and don't want to know. Right. Right. And those are the ones that are making it just even more difficult. Right. It's a part of the problem for sure. But awareness is the first step. So. Uh That's true. It really is. And that's why, and that's another thing I, I'm so fascinated about the topic of colorism specifically because I feel like I have more experience with that than I do racism. But looking my own prejudices in the eye and even, you know, even the unintentional ones, because we all have them. Like, I don't care who you are. Everyone has some sort of preconceived notion or makes an assumption intentionally or unintentionally about a certain group of people or race, or mm-hmm. just like if you read a name on a paper and it says, I, I don't even want to use something like stereotypical, but like Latasha, for example, someone uh-huh. would read that name and just assume that they are black. But uh-huh. I and they don't have to be. No, I no. I follow a woman. Her name is Latasha James. She has a she's like a social media manager. She has a really good podcast and she's um, of Indian descent. So she, what society would deem doesn't look like her name would be Latasha, but that's also, you know, in ways offensive to say, but you know, the, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh Everyone, everyone has those assumptions. And, but I think that being aware of them and talking about them and really digging deep into, okay, well, why do I think that way? And, why do I feel that way? Because it's usually experience-based. Mm-hmm. Um, like someone who... It's discrimination. It's, it's discriminatory. That's what it is. It's just like... Yeah. I mean, I hear people, when I talk to my clients on the phone and I tell them my name, they're like, oh, what origin is that? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. What? Girl. I've never heard that name. And then I hear some people when I'm talking on the phone, they're like, oh, I know you, a sister. yeah and so no you don't know i'm a a black woman (laughs) (laughs) it's like could you not because you can't see me (laughs) right but i just i want people to listen to 
these conversations and maybe help them, you know, pause a little bit before they judge someone or immediately write off someone's opinions as like they don't come from somewhere. You like you never know what someone's what someone has gone through and you know like someone who's like oh my gosh I hate dogs. I'm like well why do you hate dogs? I was like oh cuz I got bit by one once. And so they generalize all dogs. Uh-huh. And we all have opinions, we all have we all make assumptions. Just ask yourself why. Well, thanks for sharing your stories and your experiences, mother. Do you have any Aww. final thoughts or anything else you would like to say before you dip out? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, be conscious. Be conscious of what you're saying and to people. Like it, it doesn't take someone very long to show themselves. Mm-hmm. You just got to be careful. I got a lot of stories. You can always have me on this podcast. <laughs> 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 oh lord oh, it's going to our head folks <laughs> <laughs> no thank you again for sharing your words and wisdom and Certainly. <laughs> <laughs> until next time say say ciao to the to the listeners ciao Bela. <laughs> it was wonderful doing this podcast with you, Sid. Oh, and I just want to say ciao bella to the world out there. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I had an awesome time though, but I don't know. Just a little piece of advice. Be authentic. Be you. Live, laugh, and love. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't. Oh, no. Okay, okay, just just say, just say bye. And drink wine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I will talk to you later, Madre. Alrighty. Okay, love you. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. Goodbye. (laughs) Okay, everyone, Uh, that is my mother. Um, we're just going to roll right into the conversation with my grandma. Hello. Hi, Mama. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, so welcome to Wine and Women. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, so... Like I did with mom, I'm just going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself to the show. Okay. Hi, I'm Beverly English, and I was born and raised in Kansas City, Kansas. And I am from a family of 12, 10 girls, 2 boys. And we are all of uh, multi-race children. Mm-hmm. And my mom is black and Native American. And my dad is French, Native American, and black. Perfect. Okay, so we're just going to just dive right in and get into the questions, okay? You ready? Okay. Okay. (laughs) What are your thoughts on colorism? And, like, where do you think it comes from? Actually, 
I'm really not sure of where it comes from, but like you were basically going through some of the things that we went through when we were young, mm-hmm. and uh, people wondered what race we were. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, we, um, I mean, we weren't like really considered black because they weren't sure of, you know, like a mixture of uh, different races, you know, in our family, in our lives. We've had to go through a whole lot, you know, as far as being recognized as. They're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I'm... Yeah. yeah. They treated us okay and everything, but they just would do the little simple things, you know, like with the long hair and like right. when... Yeah, when we were in school, like uh, the boys or would hold our, our long braids down where we couldn't get up out of the seat and everything. And mm. they would... Actually, the one really thought I was white. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've seen him since then, since younger days, and this is exactly what he was telling me about when, when we were young and everything. Mm-hmm. Can you recall a time where you experienced any form of racism or colorism directly? Was the was the term colorism was that word used? Or black? No. Uh-uh. I thought so, but I wasn't sure because I know that is newly developed or that term was just like recently adopted and it's usually aimed at people who are of a darker complexion within your race with that being said as far as colorism would you say that you benefited from your lighter skin tone compared to you know like some of your sisters who were um a much deeper color than you are well there was like a difference yeah because uh I really don't want to say, like, <laughs> there was, like, one. I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah, no. <laughs> you don't have to say any names. Like, I don't want to start any no, family I, I drama know. from the podcast. I know, because there was one that was, like, figured uh, she wasn't, like, because she was, like, a darker in color. Mm-hmm. And she would, ex- you know, make us, the family, she would make us, feel like we were two different, you know, two different people because she was dark and, like, we were, like... Like you guys weren't even family or something? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Hmm. Um, because there were some... They were not cutting you off, but there were some, some things said of where uh, people like you better because you're light and they don't like me uh, as much because I'm dark which was not true. Wow. Yeah. Would you say, like, what was your family dynamic like with growing up with so many siblings and most of them being sisters? Like, do you feel like there was always kind of a sense of uh, competition or anything? No, I think it was just that individual that felt that way. Not nothing from outside or anything. Huh. Where do you think that came from? Or where did she get that from? Do you think it's because someone told her it was because of her skin tone and then she kind of just believed it? No, I think she just, uh, like, saw the difference in in the colors, you know, like, her being the darkest 
and it was just in her mind. Nobody told her anything. It was just in her mind, and it was mm-hmm. something that she. Well, I think at one point she didn't really want to accept it, but I think she accepted. Accept it her a skin while. tone. Jeez. Do you think that she would disagree with that? Um, actually, you know, like as far as she was concerned, uh, I think she really did not like me at one point because of some things that she said, but I just, mm. I never really, you know, I I never really listened to what she said and wouldn't uh, hold it against her or anything. It would just be right. words. Right. Would you say that you have any, or did have any preconceived prejudices against darker-skinned people at one point in your life just because of maybe people pointing out your skin tone or just the awareness of the difference? Uh, The only thing that we experienced when I was young, if it was because of color, we didn't know it. But we used to play softball. And we used to go to, like, Quindaro in Kansas. And we would practice there, but the girls would always want to fight us because we weren't from there. And, you know, it might have been because of color, because those girls were, like, darker people. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. No, um, I know what you mean. (laughs) But it could have been because of that, because uh, I, well, after I think of it now, it's, it might have been that because they didn't have any other reason that they would want to, you know, like, fight us. Yeah. Like, Even like us, um, like all of us people thought that we were like, like, they called us proper because they they said that we talked proper and all that. Hmm. And I remember when I was on KPRS doing the, uh, the show with the DJ. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of calls come in that said they wondered why they had a white girl on instead of a black one. But it was really me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. It was a request show. It was a request show, and it was like KPRS radio. Mm-hmm. And they would have the, the uh, different ones on the show as guests. But yeah, we got a lot of calls then because they thought I was white. <laughs> oh my! Way I talk. <laughs> oh my goodness! Did they ever? Did when they said that to you? Would they? They ever word it like, "Oh, you talk white," or they just used proper? Oh yeah, we've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because I was like, we I've heard never that a lot. <laughs> when when that was said to me, and you know, like LM, well, just throughout school in general. Like, someone asked me, like, oh, why do you talk white? It's so frustrating because it's not a language. Like, but anyway, they've never, I've, no one's ever referred to it as proper. So, yeah, people oh, are getting, uh, people are getting just more mean. <laughs> yeah. and more aggressive and more upfront these days. So, I just thought it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts and ideas on this. Even though I do still think that you are just being really gentle on the matter, <laughs> I think it was probably just from what I've heard from even um, some of my great aunts and their comments, even their comments oh, growing yeah. up. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Um, 
and being called light bright since the beginning of time. <laughs> um, I was talking earlier in the episode about how someone when I was younger calling me not really black has really affected my thoughts on where I stand in the black community and, you know, and how I identify. Because for the longest, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. And that's unfortunate because, you know, you're elementary age and someone's like, well, you're not really black and like you're definitely not white because like your hair or something like that. And so you've, you know, I didn't know what, I I didn't even know what I was anymore because people kept asking me what I was. (laughs) It was so annoying. And, uh, but yeah, I was just saying I, for the longest time, I didn't really know how I, like, I didn't know what to identify myself with or call myself or where I belonged. Majority of the world would look at me and like, oh, she's black, but maybe different parts of the world, they'd be like, oh, well, she's clearly mixed or has something else going on, whatever. But, Uh you know, I say, I, I think I identify as both because I am aware that I am multiple races, but I am proud that one of those is black. So that's what I'm most comfortable saying. How do you identify yourself now, being multiracial? Um, like when they give you an application or something, mm-hmm. they ask you what you are. Yeah. You put other. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they've actually, they add biracial, multiracial, or it'll say two or more races as an option. Oh. Okay, well, I mean, I haven't seen one uh, application in a while, but I know that <laughs> you can't, you you didn't ever put like like black or uh, nothing like that. You just put like other like they didn't have mixed race on those. Otherwise, you could have put that. So would you? I, so as you know now, do would you say you identify as a? just mixed race woman or do you identify as a black woman or both i would i, I would say both mm-hmm. yeah but i've even heard people say that if you have any part black in you that you're considered black which right that's not good <laughs> yeah because i mean because it just puts people every, in yeah. a box and doesn't it's almost as if society is not allowing people to embrace being more than one race when it's obviously a thing. And um, it's like if I, you know, the white part of me or the Native American part of me, I could say, oh, I'm mixed, but I identify as Native American. I could, but <laughs> the world wouldn't let me because they'll just automatically put me in the, the black box. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm not saying that isn't, that's a bad thing. Like, I don't want my tone to come off as like, oh, well, I'm just black. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But, uh, you know. Okay. I think that's all I have for you. Unless there's anything that you want to add, Mama. Uh, no. Uh-uh. I can't think of anything. Well, thanks, Mama. For coming on to the podcast. You can say goodbye to everybody. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs> yeah, bye. Bye-bye. My precious grandmother, everyone. Now, before I let you guys go, I would like to share some write-ins from some of our listeners. 
and these are going to be on their personal stories and experiences with colorism and or racism. Since you only heard mainly one side of the conversation, I wanted to make sure I included voices that represented the other side. I know this episode is already pretty lengthy, so I'm only going to share a few for right now. Um, This listener actually shared several different instances where she was faced with colorism, so I'm going to read a couple of those for you now. When I was younger, a cousin who I was very close in age with spent a Christmas with us. We both got these super cute watches, she got bright pink, and I got a teal one. We being crazy little girls, we wanted to switch bracelets, so we did. My great uncle, her grandpa, looks at me and says, Pink is for light girls. I was so confused, but that's my first real memory of someone treating me differently because of my skin color. Um, and see, that's just, you know, a, a small portion of the topic of colorism and it's really unfortunate that she had to experience that at such a young age and on Christmas like (laughs) um she also shared a very similar instance that happened in high school where classmates said she was too dark to wear bright pink lipstick after feeling good about her like Nicki Minaj inspired look so I I thought I'd just throw a summary of that one in there too just so you could see the difference of like how she's experiencing it when she's really young versus um you know, going all the way up until high school. Now, this one I really wanted to share so you guys can really sit and think with it for a second. Um, So here's another instance from the same listener. In high school, I was crushing on this guy for years. He would flirt back with me all the time, making it very obvious that he wanted to hook up with me. He said to me once, you're pretty for a black girl, but I don't date black girls. He had the nerve to look at me and tell me I was only good for sex, not to date. I remember taking that as a fucking compliment at the time, but obviously being pissed that he didn't want to date me, but what the fuck? Mm. Uh, the audacity, dude. Like, um, it, it just... Oh, okay, I'll give my responses in a second. Um, we're going to move on to the next submission. This, uh... This listener actually sent their story in as a voice note, which I love so that you can hear her tell her story. So I'm going to go ahead and play that for you guys right now. Um, When I was 21, or I believe I was 21 years old, and I was uh, newly hired to serve as a cocktail waitress um, in the casino. So this was a new industry, new field to me, but it was exciting. And I was working there, and I'll never forget, and it's just etched in my memory, that a lady said to me, um, what are you? Um, so we exchanged kind of a confused look, but I think I understood what she was getting at. What are you as in nationality? Um I had a hairstyle going on at the time that I I guess my hair may have confused her because it was weave, so it wasn't in my natural state. So she looked at me and said, what are you? Um, And I told her, yeah, what do you mean? And she said, are are you mixed with something? And I said, no. And she said, so you're just, you're just black? I said, yes. She said, "Um, so you're both of your parents are black yes but you're so pretty Mm -hmm. um and 
the word pretty sounds like a compliment, so I received it and said thank you, but I kind of didn't want to say thank you because I understood that that was such a backhanded and underhanded compliment. Um, but I think that what she was trying to say, I totally understood that what she was trying to say was that I was pretty for a black girl or pretty for my skin tone or my complexion, and she wanted to try and force me to be something other than just a dark-skinned black girl because generally speaking in her mind and in her world um a dark-skinned black person a pretty dark-skinned black person did not and could not exist and that was my um one of the the earliest memories of feeling like there was something about um me and my skin tone and my complexion that um just, just, I don't know, I didn't feel quite right. And I understood that what she was saying was um, that I shocked her for being what she considered to be pretty and only being black. Mm. Um, that one really got under my skin the first time I listened to it. So I really wanted to play it for you guys. And I just want to say to the both of these listeners who um, sent in their stories. One, thank you so much for sharing your stories and experiences with the podcast. And just know that the both of you are so beautiful inside and out and your beauty extends beyond your skin tone. So there you have it, guys. I would really like to hear your thoughts on these. Um, Just because it's the end of the episode doesn't mean it has to be the end of the conversation. You guys are more than welcome to share your thoughts and stories by sending an email to wineandwomenpod at gmail.com if you want to be anonymous or by sending me a DM on the Instagram page, which is at wineandwomenpod if you're not already following. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing all the different perspectives and stories on this subject. If you haven't already, subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts and please rate Wine and Women. It would mean the world. And yeah, that's a wrap. Um, I will see you next week. Bye, guys.